What is up and welcome back to Bachelor Pad Podcast where a couple of bachelors who had never really watched ABC's The Bachelor sit down to review episodes at, right after they are. My name's Tyler. I'm here with my best friend Scott. Hey, what is up all you geckos out there and welcome back to another week of your favorite Bachelor podcast. I, I assume your only Bachelor podcast. I, I assume that all the geckos out there are intaking and consuming every bachelor podcast but this is their favorite one. Oh well that's a thoughtful thought uh <laughs> and here with thoughts for your thoughts uh we're joined again by jeremy well hey guys it's been too long my wife told me to practice my late night dj voice oh. on the podcast so that's what i'm doing here tonight have you been uh smoking like to hey, get that gravelly <laughs> no not even a little bit i'm just trying too hard <laughs> well oh it's working in all the right ways my friend thanks man i'm uh i'm thoroughly impressed you came uh i'm gonna dox you a little bit i'm gonna out you you came uh uh supplied with uh with the proper hardware have some cough drops on you oh that's true yeah well you know to get the uh late night dj voice yeah you gotta take care of the pipes so uh that's what i'm doing wait do lozenges make your voice sound deeper on well they throat your they they throat they coat your throat uh so it it helps uh make your your uh vocal cords when they vibrate it helps make your vocal cords a little bit more like fluid and interesting and late nighty as jeremy Hmm. has accurately put is it uh is it working oh it's you sound great my friend it's (laughs) it's working for me it's working for me perfect (laughs) <laughs> so uh scott what's new with you man not much honestly uh the governor finally took us out of uh lockdown woot so <laughs> we're we're now in purple tier is that what we're in i don't know man i don't know what the colors are i or think what they, they mean i don't know if purple's <laughs> better than pink is better than sunset orange the, i really don't know <laughs> the only two that i've even heard are purple and red I assume red is worse than purple. You would think. Oh, I believe red is better than purple. Who is putting these color systems together? Whatever happened to a nice, you know, green, yellow, red kind of setup? We all think there's like seven colors in this. (laughs) Is black the lowest? Like I assume black is purple is the lowest. Oh, purple's the worst. Yeah. Oh, black is we're all dead. Uh, We're all gone. It was a good run. Like I feel like it could only be black or red. Like those are the two most ominous colors in like the, uh, rankings of like, you know, I don't know. Like code red is terrible. Uh, yeah. did you order it? <laughs> I didn't order it. <laughs> you didn't order the code red. No, I didn't. I didn't. You can't handle the truth. What do you want from me? <laughs> You're goddamn right I did. <laughs> it was a great start, guys. We're doing so good here. <laughs> Scott you? and I have lapsed into into movie quotes. I, I was rambling about the meaning of colors. The rainbow. That's yeah. how you know it's a, it's a podcast. Jeremy's on lozenges. I'm eating chocolate. It's terrible for your voice, by the way. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Chocolate's bad for your voice? Yeah. Any kind of dairy is terrible if you have to, like, speak or sing. Dairy's the worst thing oh, you can ingest. Chocolate? Well, there's dairy in all chocolate. Is there even like dark chocolate? Yeah, I don't. Know. I don't know how you make chocolate. To be honest, with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's dairy and cacao. 
So this dark chocolate is 72% cacao. And 100% good for the soul. That's what I think. Oh, it's delicious, but it's just really bad for you <laughs> when you try to speak or sing clearly. Can you eat just 100% cocoa? Uh, you can't. It's terrible. I've uh, done it. It's not good. <laughs> it's really not tasty at all. So also it like dries out your mouth. Huh. Even this dark chocolate is already drying out my mouth. So Jeremy, <laughs> take it away. How you doing? Yeah, it's going to be a short episode here today, guys. Well, we haven't even started talking about The Bachelor yet. That's no, true. I'm good. I'm good. I got this, guys. <laughs> Jeremy, what's new with you, man? Uh, not too much, man. A little bit in the, uh, the job search uh, right now. So that's kind of cool. Thinking about what's next for my wife and I. Um, so exciting opportunities there might be moving out to San Diego, uh, or San Diego as it's, uh, <laughs> San Diego. Hey, listen, my wife had not seen the movie Anchorman and you know, because we're thinking about San Diego, oh. I made her watch the movie. Of so, course. And now she um, definitely wants to move there. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. She wants to meet Ron, Ron Burgundy. Yeah. So he's definitely there. Go F yourself, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. The movie is so good. I didn't realize how much of my vocabulary was really just Anchorman quotes. Oh, yeah. Until I saw it again and realized how it really is. Yeah, I may have to edit that one out, but I might leave it in too just for you geckos out there. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'll let Scott make the judgment call on that later. (laughs) You do you, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm I'm doing good too. Jeremy, I'm I'm super glad to hear that. And I hope that your uh, new job opportunity involves a new branch of bachelor pad podcast right That's oh what for it sure is. yeah i'm moving out there for a podcast oh um, great great yeah. don't know what it is yet but um, <laughs> i'll let you know what was that really cool uh name of a podcast we talked about a couple weeks oh ago? yeah the one that we missed out on but i still think that ours is better for a couple of reasons but someone had tweeted that if the podcast batch street boys isn't a thing yet it should be that's right and uh but i i i was like oh man i looked it up it's not a podcast or at least it wasn't as of last week and uh but i tried to do a little bit of like searching and i realized that uh the internet is too smart for a pun that good Mm. and so it will just always autocorrect to did you mean backstreet boys so it would never work because people would try and search for it and they would just get hits for Backstreet Boys. If nothing else, though, we'd be supporting a, a nice local small band. <laughs> a noble <laughs> and worthy cause, my friend. Noble and worthy. I'm doing good, though. Uh, I, uh, I I haven't really... I, I, I guess last week I, I sort of brought it up that I you know had worked harder physically last week than mm-hmm. I had in a long time. And I, I paid the price for it. Like, uh, I, I mean, it's a, not like a, a terrible price to pay, but I slept a lot last week. <laughs> I was falling asleep on the couch every night by like eight o'clock, waking up at 4 a.m. and then going to bed and then waking up to start my day again a few hours later. And it, it wasn't, that wasn't fun. I didn't like that. You don't like the Scott sleep schedule? Well, no, I don't mind going to bed early. I don't like waking up at 4 a.m. And then I'm forced with, do I just stay awake or do I go to bed for the next couple hours? Because then that it's just a weird, weird situation. I felt like I was like 16 again. Like I, I was on a 16 year old sleep schedule and it was you not woke great. up at 4 a.m. when you were 16. 
Yeah, because I'd fall asleep on the couch. Like, oh. you know, like I'd fall asleep on the couch. I'd wake up at 4 a.m. Nobody bothered to wake me up to say, hey, it's time for bed, man. Like, go to bed. Like, because I was a, I was 16. I was, you know, self-sufficient at that point. And everyone's like, his problem. And I would wake <laughs> up at 4 a.m. feeling terrible because, you know, sleeping on the couch is never, like, it's fine for a nap, you know? But when you sleep from eight till four, that's not a nap anymore. That is terrible quality sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, well, what do I do now? Do I have a terrible day because I didn't get good sleep and I'm just going to start my day at four or do I go try and get some good sleep in my bed? So anyway, I never had that problem. (laughs) (laughs) I always just went to bed. At like eight o'clock myself. <laughs> My parents were like, you're going to bed already? You're you're 17. Dude. You can stay up. You don't have a bedtime yeah, anymore. I'm like, nah, I want to sleep. Dude, were you like a middle-aged 17-year-old? Is that what you I were? I was. I used to yell at kids to get off my lawn. <laughs> well, he's like a 50-year-old, 30-year-old, so uh, it makes sense. I, I was telling uh, some of the guys this last week that uh, when text messaging was first becoming a thing, I used to like say it was ridiculous. I'm like, why would I text someone? I could just call them. You were not an early adopter on that social not on, trend. Not on text. I thought it was ridiculous and was going to go away. All you kids get off my phone. It's like, this a- is super inconvenient. And then it was back when we were using T9. Do you remember? Oh T9? yeah. I remember T9. Oh yeah. That's how I texted in class, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> T9 was, uh, I had to, I had to figure out how to learn to use T9. Cause for the first probably year of texting, I, I didn't do it that way. Did you do like the multiple press thing? Yeah, I trickled through for every for every letter. Dude, everyone under eighteen right now has no idea what you're talking about. I don't know if we have any geckos that are (laughs) under eighteen. So we have a couple that are, but very very few. Yeah, not enough sign the waiver to uh, to listen to our podcast. (laughs) But you know, yeah, their their parent needs to sign off. Yeah, and like Kit's parents, you know, who need to sign off on her one-on-one. Great transition. transition. (laughs) Yeah, can we just talk about how young Kit is? Like, it bothers me a little bit. How old is Matt again? He's 28? 28, I think. Jeremy will fact check us on it real quick, but I'm pretty sure he's 28, and, you know, regardless... He's definitely in a life stage, a very different life stage. Oh, for sure. Like he has his, he's on his, like he had a, a career level job that he left to pursue a second career that he's invested in. He has his own nonprofit. That's like helping. He's you, the star of a TV show. He's already giving back. You know what I mean? Like he's at the life stage that he's already like, I need to give back to society. Uh, cause it's done so much for me. So, uh, fact checking is complete. He's 29 years old, 29, 29, but at time of filming, he was 28. It looks like he turned 29 in December. So I don't know if it was still going okay, at that so point. Probably like seven and a half years difference. I would guess around there. Yeah, sure. Seven and a half years, but I mean, we're 30. Jeremy, you're 28 as well as Matt, 29 now. Yeah, I'm going to be 29 in a month. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm almost on Matt's level. Yeah. Uh, But uh, we, I don't know. Do you guys remember 21? It's very different than 29 and 30. My 21st birthday, I was working at a golf course. (laughs) Yeah. 
down on the cart barn. I washed golf carts for a living. <laughs> for a living. I think, I think I made about $7,000 a year. Nice. I was also going to school. <laughs> and uh, I didn't have any alcohol on my 21st birthday. I wanted to. And I was promised some. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was assured alcohol it would just, be present. It didn't happen. Wait, what happened? What I was, I, was uh, I went golfing with... Uh, Funny enough, our our pastor at the time, uh, we went golfing, and he's like, "Dude, I'll uh, let me take you golfing, and you know, I'll get you some beers, and we'll celebrate your twenty first birthday." I said, "Yeah, great." So I got I worked at a golf course, so I got us on for free. He didn't take me golfing; <laughs> you took him I golfing, took us golfing, <laughs> and then he didn't even buy me any beers. <laughs> Is this why you don't go to his church anymore? Yes, <laughs> that's how it was. Makes sense. It, it sealed the, it was the the final nail in the coffin, really. But yeah, I mean, when I was 21, I, I, man, man, was I an idiot. I was an idiot at 25. Uh, and I still didn't know who I was at 25. I'm 30, and I feel like I've only recently gotten some toehold on who I am. Like, in the last couple of years have I gotten a toehold on who I am. Uh, and so I don't know, man, I, I get that it's like seven, eight years roughly. Um, but those, those particular seven, eight years world of difference. Like my mom and stepdad, when they got married, uh, he was 18 or it still is. He's currently 18 years older than her. Um, but you know, they got married when they were very, very much adults. You know, he, his kids were almost completely grown. My mom had had us for, I, w- I think I was 10 when they got married, you know, and uh, she was very established in her career at the time, and, and obviously so was he, it, but it's still crazy that, like, the year he graduated high school was the year of her birth, you know what I mean? Like, that's, a, that's an age gap, but it didn't matter at that point because they were in the same life stage. Mm-hmm. The difference between 21 and 29 is enormous. Well, uh, courtesy of Barney Stinson, we have a way to uh, make sense of this and find out if someone's old enough. I don't know if you guys remember the the formula that he gave and how it was like half your age plus seven or something. Exactly. So if Matt is 29, half your age, like 14 and a half plus seven, 21 and a half. Listen, she just made the cut. (laughs) So she just squeaked in there. But listen, I agree. I think, you know, seven or eight years in your 20s is way different than even in your thirties or forties. You know, I I don't think age is that big a difference at that point in time. And there are so many things that you go through between 21 and 29 that she just hasn't experienced yet. And I kind of feel bad because I mean, I don't know if I like her a ton to begin with, but it's like, I don't think any 21 year old is set up for success on a show like this. And I think we started to see a little bit of that tonight it's just hard. I don't know. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for her to be able to connect on a meaningful level with, with Matt, even though he seems into it. it, seems like he's trying and it seems like there's potential, but it's going to be hard. Yeah. I, I think he's definitely into her. Uh, I think he's very definitely attracted to her. I mean, she's an attractive woman. Um, but, and, and you know, Jeremy and I were talking about this while we were watching the show together. Um, and I was just sort of trying to like work out 
verbally with him like what it was that <laughs> I was feeling or thinking about Kat and I think or Kit I'm sorry and I think what it came down to is that there's nothing wrong with being 21 like there's nothing wrong with it and I'm not saying that she's less than any of these girls for her age at all um, but there is something to being okay with being 21 and there's something to other people letting you be okay being your age. Mm. And I just don't know if she's it my my read, I, I don't know her at all. Uh other than what we've gotten to see on the show. But my personal read is that like she just hasn't even had the opportunity because of maybe her perspective and her upbringing and everything like that to even know uh that it's okay to be what 21 should look like and that it's okay to be 21 it's okay to be young and it's okay to not have it all together it's okay to not know who you are yet uh all those things are very okay for 21 they're not okay for 29 so you know like someone like someone like pilot pete last season (laughs) That was laughable. You know what I mean? Like, it's not okay to be your age and not know who you are and what you want and all that. But it's okay to be 21 in those things. And so it's definitely not in any way for me a, like, less than situation. It's just a very different worlds situation. And I I, I really hope the best for Kat. I hope that this doesn't work out with her so that she has the opportunity to be be 21 um i i everyone's different and like there are some people who know themselves super well and or you know worldly in the best way in the best use of the term and they're ready to be married and committed to to another person at 21 i don't think that most people are at least today now nowadays in our generation generation you know millennials and and i guess she's gen z and it's like yeah she's 21 now (laughs) i don't think millennials are and i think we've shown that like throughout our generation we've all waited to get married and i think it's because we grew up under such different circumstances the internet had a lot Mm. to do with it and yada 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 but uh, anyway, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. I, I don't mind her. <laughs> <laughs> That's Scott's whole comment. Listen, I think she carries herself well, like considering everything you just talked about. I think you had some really good points there. And, you know, she mentioned in this episode that her mom's like a famous fashion designer. And um, I think she's from L.A., right? Like New York. New York? Yeah, okay. New York. Same thing, just on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> same same thing, just a different place. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. I feel L- like LA, LA people is the West Coast version of New York. Exactly. Yeah. LA people would say New York is the worst. They're more snobby and elite. And New York would say that LA people are just trying so hard to be New Yorkers. A tale of two cities. What can I say? <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen, I it was think was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But where was it the worst of times? In New York. For sure. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I think she carries herself really well. Uh, But yeah, I think it's just hard. She's very young. It's going to be an uphill battle. Um, I I think she reminds me. It's so funny. She's from New York, but she reminds me of like an L.A. girl. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like I get those vibes a lot where it's like the cool thing maybe is to be disinterested in everything at all times. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Like I still don't know what gets Kit excited other than like cooking because of the thing she had with her mom. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. She's very young, but I'm, I'm cheering for her. Uh, I'm not against her. And to your point, I will give absolute credit for like, I feel like the first time that we saw her actual personality emerge and her like real self was in that conversation with Rachel mm-hmm. where she talked about cooking and how important that was to with her cooking with her mom. And uh, I, I feel like that was the first time that I saw like Kit as a person. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean that I didn't see her as a person. I just mean that I saw her <laughs> personality uh, emerge for the first time because all the rest of the time, she just has this like stone faced. Um, I, I don't know. Like for me, it and I could be projecting. I own that, but it almost feels like she has like a condescending air about her. And I think that's what you were maybe talking about. With mm-hmm. I, I think I, what I would describe as a condescending air was what you were talking like about. Disinterested. Disinterested. Yeah. That's yeah. just like, oh, to me, it reads like, oh, all these conversations, all these people, all these things that are happening around me are beneath me. Unimpressed. I'm unimpressed. Try and harder. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's the that's the impression that I've gotten up until now, until tonight. And I, I want to give absolute credit to that, that it's like, maybe we are seeing her emerge and it's for the best for her. And maybe her and Matt are going to connect on that. And it's going to be amazing. And who cares what I think or anyone else in America <laughs> thinks if she knows herself, if she's a real, if Matt sees her, knows her and, and he's real with her. Um, I think the geckos care, Tyler. The geckos care what I think. The geckos care what you think. Listen. I I don't think so. I think the geckos care what you guys think. <laughs> I think they're here to hear me laugh. Ah, they're we all to love make your fun laugh, of Tyler. my laugh. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you brought up uh, her conversation with Rachel and I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of like dig into her interactions with Matt tonight. Cause I feel like she brought some ground after oh, all. She, sure. she got the first L word of the season. She did. Oh yeah. That was a big moment. It is. It wasn't the L word like we've talked about on the show. Before. There is a difference between falling in love and I love you or I'm in love with you. Like those are different, but she got the falling in love. Yeah. Which I think bachelor nation has taught us that there are like maybe 16 levels of love. <laughs> Where do you think falling in love ranks on there? One through 16. It's not the lowest. It's in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. It's towards the middle. Cause you could, he could have also just said, I think I'm falling for you and not even said the L word. Yeah. Which is definitely a lower tier. Yeah. That's like a three at best. Then I'm falling in love with you. Um, what? I don't even know. What would the number one tier be? Just, I really like you. I love you. Oh, what, num- oh wait. Number one. The very top. The, the top highest. one. The top yeah. one is I love you. <laughs> I feel like the top one is, will you marry me? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's the top one. I, I feel like it's kind of forced, though, because they feel like they have to do that at the end. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Jeremy. I, I would put it in the middle. Not that you're an encyclopedia, because someone might fact check you, and I don't want to put you in that. Yeah. No need to do that, guys. <laughs> but in your in your experience of The Bachelor, can you remember a time where there wasn't a proposal? Uh, 
Oh gosh, I'm sure there was. Um, cause I think in some earlier seasons, there were times where it was like, Hey, I'm not ready to propose, but I really like you and I want to continue this. So I know that's happened, but I think it's before when I started watching. Cause I okay. think for me, I've been watching like the last five years or so. And, um, and all of those ended with like something, um, although not all of them ended up, I guess, with an engagement. Like when I think about Colton, Colton might be somebody who. Uh, I think he continued to date the girl. I don't remember if they got engaged. I don't know. I'm going to stop talking because I'm sure I am making mistakes here or forgetting stuff. And some geckos, maybe named Athena, might actually write in <laughs> and say, Jeremy, you missed one. I probably did. Yeah, you think it, Athena's the one who would know all of those numbers? I think Athena knows everything. Oh, uh, see, I don't think that highly of her. <laughs> I'll tell you who will fact check you is Francis. She'll she'll tell you straight up if you're wrong about I think something. Francis will, yeah. <laughs> yeah, be kind, Francis. Francis, she- actually, I expect you to. Can you make sure you fact check <laughs> Jeremy and get back to us? And hey, Francis, if you continue to write in like you have, and and especially on this one, you might have a new a new job as the uh, fact checker of mm-hmm. of Bachelor Pad. Might even just give you a segment. <laughs> fact checks with francis oh dude that's perfect it flows so well the alliteration <laughs> yep. well i i i think that rachel has enormous potential with matt he mentioned uh you know in a voiceover interview that he that she caught his eye day one mm-hmm and then in the beginning of the date with her said like, you've been so patient. Like he's, you know, acknowledging that like. He's, he's wanted to interact with her since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And he's felt the the fact that he acknowledged her patience means that he felt the, the length of time. Right. He wanted it to happen. Right. Exactly. So yeah, he's, he's definitely super interested in her. It's, it's weird that he, she would get the falling in love line because this was their first solo time. Oh yeah. And so they, I don't even know if she's had a full day with the guy. No, probably not. It seems pretty quick. This is the first time, but you got to remember, um, because I think bachelors and bachelorettes will open up about this after their season comes out. But I think everybody's got a different game plan. Some of them are going to save their first dates for the ones who had the best first impression and so those early dates are the people they're most interested in. Sometimes they leave some of those until later on because they're like, hey, I know I'm into this person. Like, there's no question. I'm just going to let it simmer a little. And then like week three, four, five, whatever it is, then I'm going to take them on a one-on-one because I already know that I want them here. So I wonder if that's what he was doing the whole time. Like he knew he had enough interest in her that he was going to give her a rose every week until this point at least. So exactly. I was like, okay, that's when I'll start thinking about doing. I think that's what he did. It's almost like seeding your twelve spot with your one spot, and you're going to give the one spot like the extra home field advantage kind of a mm-hmm. thing. Like, hey, let's have the one on one because I'm certain about this twelve spot. Yep. Or vice versa. You know what I mean? Depending on how you order, though. Maybe, and I would bet it's like a case by case thing. Like, it's not like you know we can look at the order of dates and and determine his level of interest. 
like a ranking that way. Um, but I, I felt like from the very beginning, I felt like Rachel had a really good connection with him, even mm-hmm. on night one. And I remember saying to my wife when we were watching together, I think the episode we watched together was episode two. And I was like, I feel like Rachel's going to go far. And the reason I thought that besides their connection was like, she's that kind of patient, confident person who's not going to make a big fuss about things. She can lay low, but also just be focused on her own relationship. And that plays really, really well. Like historically in Bachelor Nation, if you can stay in your lane, you're going to do okay. And I feel like Rachel is very no nonsense. Like she's here for Matt. She's not going to get caught up in all the the craziness. And I think that's going to work really well for her. Well, yeah, we had her in our top four from the first episode, I believe. Um, where would you guys rank her right now? It would be tough for me right now between her and Michelle. Okay. So Michelle, who got the one-on-one last week, that was just... Oh, the teacher. The teacher. Yep. Yeah, that was just over the... She's a new girl and... Uh, JV. She's JV. <laughs> According to MJ, she's JV. And uh, she got this one-on-one date right out of the gate. And man, they had a connection that was almost speechless, it felt like, for Matt. Like, he really connected with her. And so I think that it's a close draw at this point from what we're seeing on the screen. It's a close draw between uh, Michelle and between Rachel for me. Yeah, but listen, this is Overreaction Monday on the podcast, and I'm just going to go for it. I think, listen, she's the first one to get the L word. Yep. Uh, So I put her number one right now. I'm going to overreact. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. I think she is in the one spot. I, I think Michelle is a good a good two spot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think he's still interested in um in Bree as one of them. Uh he seems to still have a connection with Serena P. Uh and there was one other one, but I don't remember. Did you mention Abigail? Oh, Abigail. Okay. Yep. yep. Uh, so th- that's definitely my top five. I don't know what order I'd put the other, the, those bottom three in maybe Abigail to the three spot, but what did you guys think about her this episode? I liked her a lot. I was starting to get nervous though, when she was talking about just, I don't know, she's getting in her head and that's normal. Like I can't even imagine being in their shoes. Like anytime someone talks about the stuff, I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. This is really hard. Um, so I started to get nervous that this is like some foreshadowing that she might not be able to handle like the intensity of this maybe mm-hmm. over the next few weeks. Um, but I think overall is a really good look. And I loved that Matt kind of affirmed her by giving her the rose mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, on that group date. I thought that was a good move. Listen, lots of good moves by Matt tonight. I'm just going to say. Oh, yeah. Very proud. Yeah, the biggest mover tonight was definitely Matt. <laughs> he was the biggest mover for he's, sure. He's the number one uh, gentleman on the show. <laughs> now, Dale is forever number one. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> no, let's, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit tonight. So Katie last week in our sort of cliffhanger lets Matt know that there is some bullying going on and that there is some uh, condescension and and dissension happening in the house. It's just a toxic environment. It's a toxic environment. She told him two things. Number one, that there is a little bit of us versus them, 
from the new girls and the original uh, introductions. Oh, geez. The OGs and original girls. And that there is also a rumor that is going around about one particular girl that is potentially life damaging. Yep. And so he comes in right in the beginning, addresses this. And what do you guys think about how he handled this situation? I thought he did great. I mean, he he talked to a few girls till he got some names, and then he talked to those girls. And the first one we saw him interact with was Anna. Anna fessed up to saying the things, and he immediately ended it. He walked her out, and it was over. And I, good on him. He he even said on on air like, I came here and I said I was going to provide a safe space for the girls, and that's what I'm going to do. And so the fact that uh, you did this and uh, were in this place and you confessed to it, like, okay, it's over. It's done. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he didn't quite do the same thing with Victoria. Um, I felt a little inconsistent with that, but he did, within an hour, eliminate her from in the rose ceremony. So kind of easier to overlook. But Okay, but to his credit, we got to remember like what he knew at the time. So when he was sitting down with Anna, the matter at hand was that she basically claimed that someone was an escort. Mm -hmm. Like that's the life potentially life altering kind of damaging stuff. Uh, And then the only thing that he was aware of, it seemed like with Victoria was that he called somebody a hoe. Uh, And so I kind of get that if those are the only things that you're aware of, yeah, you're going to treat those differently. Like, not that calling somebody's a hoe is okay. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. Francis, just know that's not what I'm saying. But, <laughs> like, it's different than calling somebody an escort, you know? So, like, I guess if you're trying to see it through his eyes, I can kind of understand. But I think when he watches all of this back, he's going to be like, gosh dang, I should have come in way more strong with Victoria uh, because she caused way more damage than... I think he even realized. Mm-hmm. I I even think he might have felt that way uh, as soon as Victoria left, like with her exit, <laughs> how like the exit how the exit happened. Like when and and you know she made the comment, uh, you know, and I I said all this, and he just looked at me. He just stared at me. How dare you? And it's like, what on earth would any sane person say to that outburst? Well, and as soon as she wasn't chosen, it was all a blame game then on Matt. Like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's no good, blah, 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 blah. How dare he take other people's word and not mine? Well, and she zeroed in, and I blame Matt for this. He should not have thrown Katie under the bus to Victoria, but he did. And so then she blamed a lot of it on Katie. Like, you're picking Katie over me. Like, we've all known from day one that she's disgusting, and it's like... (laughs) Oh, man. I want to say, though, before we get too far removed from it, one of the things that I especially want to give Matt props for is that when he was doing the uh, interview about walking Anna out, he said, look, I get it. You said something that was out of your character, but the damage is done. Yeah. He didn't drag Anna down. He did with not the circumstance. Yeah. He did not like he still maintained benefit of the doubt for her that that was not who she was. 
But I loved, I loved that, that he said, look, even if this wasn't who you are, the damage is done. And so we have to, we have to, to make a, a strong part here. And man, I, I appreciated that even more than him sending Anna and Victoria home tonight. Uh, I, I thought that that was a mad strong move for him and shows a lot of, shows a lot of, uh, maturity on his part, a lot of grace on his part. Like uh, that was something else. I think how Matt handled everything in this episode becomes a new playbook. I think for leads in the future, like watch this before you go on the show. <laughs> this is your new hire training to be the lead on bachelor or bachelorette on how to handle chaos. Because I think Scott, you even mentioned it. It's like, Hey, he was like an investigator. Like he found out like, what people said, he went and talked to them individually, very systematically, but then he was very poised and articulate and decisive when he was in those conversations, and he was willing to make a hard decision for the sake of the whole group, uh, and uh, and even acknowledge some benefit of the doubt. Like you couldn't have handled it any better, I think. Like, yeah, I, I I'm just even thinking back to this. I was like, yeah, I think you did everything perfectly. It was so good. I think it's interesting too, and we haven't talked about this part of it yet because it was at the very end. Um, because in both of those circumstances, they kind of confessed to the things, and so it's easier to make that decision. I think when it comes to the MJ Janessa thing, where they both have said no, the other person, he also takes it and tries to says, "Okay, time for a two on one. Let's see, let's see who's telling the truth." And I wouldn't be surprised if he sends them both home. Yeah, I I feel like Janessa at the end there, like as soon because they sat down, MJ started in and Janessa sat quietly through the first part of it. And I felt like the only good response there was to hand MJ your shovel. Like you want (laughs) to dig a hole? Here's another one so that you can dig faster and deeper. Uh, But she launched back at her and I don't think that Janessa's position is I think that Janessa has the high ground um but she lost some of it by by engaging in the fight like the the best thing for you to for you to do when you have the high ground is let the other person dig themselves lower I disagree I think the best thing for you to do uh like Bennett is to bring a gift to the two on one solid. I think, I think we learned that's the way to go. If, if Janessa was going to bring a gift for <laughs> MJ, what do you think she should have brought her a flattening iron for her hair? Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the biggest burn you can give a hairdresser. I feel like it's to insult their hair. No, I, I gotta be real. Like I think that MJ is, uh, probably a, a fairly toxic person based on what little we've gotten to see so far. I think that Janessa's right. I think she has been, you know, not the antagonist, but one of the antagonists. It could have been funny if she would have brought her like a letter for like a letterman's jacket. Oh, <laughs> since it was the whole JV verse. J- oh, that would have been good. Uh-huh. Ooh, I like that Man. one. Like, here you go. Varsity player. Here's a little gift. <laughs> you win. You win <laughs> your varsity. And then I would have put a, I would have pinned a JV on my, on my, on my shirt. Dude, that'd be a power move. Except that Janessa. She wasn't. She on was. That one. Yeah. yeah she, know. well, she was part of the varsity squad. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, 
uh, in in MJ's mind up until that point. What uh, what do you think about some of MJ's claims that she's only that she is has led by her actions that she's a god among mere mortals <laughs> <laughs> that she's being attacked that she's being attacked that she has brought nothing but peace patience and kindness you Preached. forgot harmony yeah and harmony and harmony yeah <laughs> yeah what do you guys think about that I had a hard time with it and it started i think when victoria was still around because things were going around and goodness gracious that like five minutes of the episode where everybody was doing their fake apologies was hard to watch but i think the hardest part was when you heard from people like victoria who were clearly the villains clearly bullying other people and they're just kind of like calling themselves like a victim or they're saying, well, I think everything's fine. Like, I, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what people are talking about. And then you get to MJ and MJ is doing the same thing where it's like she doesn't even realize what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell if it's genuine or not. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe the the best explanation would be that she just doesn't see it. Like, I think she's toxic toxic but only toxic because she's like just not self-aware like she just can't see how she's being experienced by others and therefore has no pulse on how everybody is kind of responding i thought it was just hard i mean you saw it from victoria and from mj that like they don't even see anything wrong they think they're the victims the problem is someone else uh it, it was just very unattractive and i hope that matt gets to the bottom of it because it's this is just bad I thought it was funny uh, that while Matt was trying to figure out all the things and all the girls are doing, having all those chats uh, that they at one point kind of have like a little bit of a round table and it's even asked like, does anyone here actually think that this is like a hostile or toxic place? And like five different girls were like, yeah, I've been very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and even some of the girls that were like, yeah, I I'm not one of the new girls, but I've, been uncomfortable with with Mm -hmm. this whole situation yeah i i I think that the i think that the girls that a lot of the girls are are at their wits end i think that there is i i think for sure mj is has been up until this point from what we've seen on camera very much an instigator uh and i think that there are still a couple of girls around right now that are probably part of the problem but maybe they're followers like i feel like serena c has been part of the problem but she might just be feeding off of mj and victoria and anna question which one is serena c she is uh like maybe islander or asian and is a flight attendant okay the one who always wears like really bright lipstick. Yes. Kind of. And only has one facial expression. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Here's my thing with her is I know, I know we say like, oh, maybe she's just like a follower. She gives me like Darth Sidious controlling <laughs> uh, Snoke vibes. She's the puppet master. Yeah. Like I think it, it could be very easily like her back behind uh, someone like Victoria, who is a mouthpiece, who's going to say whatever she hears. Like, and it very well could be that Serena is one of the more toxic people. Uh, I've never seen her have a pleasant interaction with someone on the show. Hmm. But at the same time, I haven't seen a ton of negative ones either. It's been very plain, unemotional, 
but I would say more leaning in the negative way. So maybe calculating would be like kind of what you're seeing. I think so. All right. Well, uh, one last thing that I want to bring up, unless you guys have anything else that was, that was a super great, uh, moment from this, um, is, uh, when Victoria was leaving in the most protracted <laughs> exit of all time, one of the things that she said was, uh, the house is going to be so awful. Not a single girl there <laughs> is going to be happy or is going to be, is, is going to be not sad that I'm gone. I brought so much joy to everyone in that <laughs> yes. house. Yes. Do you see how many different cheers they were doing after that? <laughs> Which I think that was like a peel, peel back behind the curtain. I think what they do every episode, this is my guess here based on this. I think they have each person in the crowd do a cheers and then they decide which one they're going to air. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they had like four different people and all of them <laughs> were so happy. <laughs> mm. That was fun to watch. No, I think you're probably right because, you know, that would be maybe a little unfair or frowned upon to be the first one to, like, jump in and, like, I'll raise a toast, you know, like, oh, you? <laughs> well, it, it looks like we're going to have a little bit of a, a heated interaction between uh, Serena C. and Katie mm. next week. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, what do you, my final thing is, what do you guys think is going to happen in the two-on-one? Which one do you think goes home or or both? Well, it's important to remember this isn't a real two-on-one. Uh, he's doing the pre-rose ceremony two-on-one, which means that he could keep both of them and just kind of let them go and use it as kind of a uh, disciplinary and like, I want you to know that I'm disappointed kind of thing. Have we seen someone use the, the pre-rose ceremony two-on-one to not eliminate anyone? Yeah, so it happened, uh, I think it was, was it Pilot Pete? Uh, I think it was was him. He had a two on one, and the funny thing was, he let someone like stay on, and then he let them go at the rose ceremony. So I don't know what he was thinking. But there, that was but the second person. It. I think he, he had eliminated it. one, and then the second person went to the rose ceremony, and him he eliminated oh, her he? at the rose ceremony. Yeah. So I guess I feel like there's just less rules when it's not like it wasn't an official date, date card type yeah. of a thing. Yeah. But I mean, I definitely think at least one of them is going home and most likely my guess is both of them. Like yeah. I think Jasenia's uh, Tyler, I think you said it best. Like the best thing you can do is just kind of let them dig their own grave. And it doesn't seem like Jasenia is going to let her do that. Like mm-hmm. she's going to keep trying to get the last word. And in doing that, she's going to go down with her. Yeah, I I actually, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a little bit of a hot take on this. I have mm-hmm. a feeling that you're right. That's exactly, Jeremy, you're right. That's exactly what's going to happen. But I think that he's going to send Jasenia home and keep MJ. Um, maybe for nothing else than MJ's blind conviction in her lie. That she leads by example. That she leads by example, that she's never done, you know, said anything but, you know, harmony and peace and love. And that, uh, that Jasenia is using this as uh, this attack at her. Because I feel like it's one of those things where if I'm in Matt's shoes in this moment, there comes a point where you're kind of like, I'm sick of attacking Mm. like you know katie 
first person to say like, Hey, there's a, there's a, a problem here. Okay. Well, let me investigate. Well, now it's just like constant. Well, she's awful. She's awful. She's awful. She's awful. She's awful. And at some point Matt has to be like, I'm just so sick of attacking to me that like, I'm just going to start sending people home who like, I feel like are attacking someone else. And I, I, I could see him sending Jasenia home and keeping MJ maybe on thin ice, you know, maybe keeping an eye on her, but I, I could absolutely see him sending Jasenia home and keeping MJ at this point. So you're saying that he would just believe MJ more than Jasenia just based off their presentation. Yeah. And, and based off the fact that MJ's position is that she's being attacked and that she's being bull- she's the one being bullied. Like so if it's like no, I'm being bullied right now. What has happened to our culture? Man, listen. Like there are real victims out there. Like why do people choose to be victims like voluntarily? Like that's what's happening right now with MJ. You're not a real victim. Like w- since when did we start rewarding people for being a victim? A voluntary Two victim. Two seasons ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we saw it work with, with Pilot Pete. No, but you're absolutely right. It's it's tragic. It's wrong. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's offensive to people who have been genuinely mistreated. Sure. Well, I think you're right. Like, I can see that happening. Because between the two, you can tell Jasenia is not going to present her case nearly as well as MJ, even if MJ is lying through her teeth uh, or just completely oblivious to what's going on. Like MJ does come across, if I'm just Matt and I haven't seen how she interacts with other girls, yeah, MJ does seem like maybe the more believable option just because of communication skills. So if that happens, I won't be surprised. That could be interesting. What I think is going to happen is I think it's going to go similar to how you would, uh, how Yesenia would think. I think he will send MJ home from the two on one. And then I think he doesn't like Yesenia enough. And so he sends her home in the rose ceremony. <laughs> Dude, I think that, I think they're both going to go home, but they're going to go home separate like that. If I were the bachelor, like I would send people home so easily because listen if there are people that i'm like not really that interested in and then any drama comes up i would just be like i'm sorry please like i don't need this you know if (laughs) you're fired yeah i'm not (laughs) super into you like i don't want to deal with this this garbage uh so i think you might just do that like yeah but you gotta be careful not to get down to one person too quick like Uh, within the first four episodes yeah, but her problem, <laughs> her problem, generous. Her problem definitely like wasn't three. Yeah, her problem definitely was it wasn't three. I think so. Uh, okay, her problem definitely wasn't sending people home too early emotionally. But emotionally, she was just <laughs> she just wasn't participating in the television show. That was her problem. Yeah, she didn't follow the rules. Because here's the reality: you know that they brought these five women in uh, two weeks ago. You know they have another ten that they could bring in if they need to. Like they got a deep bench. They're yeah. they're ha- they're hedging their bets. They have a deep bench. They're ready for if he sends too many people home. They're ready to bring more people on. Uh, so like sending people home that are a problem for you is never going. I don't think that's ever going to be frowned on by by Chris or by ABC. Uh, it's, it's more so like ending the game before 
we get to halftime, that that's a problem. Yeah. It's in the contract. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into relationship advice. Uh, we need to create like a little jingle for this segment because it's such, at least for me, a beloved segment. You should do one of those things where you like sing it or hum it yourself. I do like the jingle. jingle. Yeah. yeah. No, that's not going to happen. Relationship <laughs> advice. All right. Let's Bow. record that. Play it next week. Uh, every week. That's our jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Uh, me, 36 male. And my girlfriend, 27 female, met while we were both attending graduate program at a fairly prestigious university, hit it off well, and moved in together a couple of months ago. We've been together for almost two years now. I never thought to properly ask her age until last year when her birthday was coming up and she told me she was about to turn 27. It's just not something that turns up in normal conversation. Anyway, her birthday coming up was coming up again next month and she just broke down this morning and admitted to having lied about her age. I thought it was a prank at first, but she started crying and showed me her IDs and everything. And it's true. She's 13 years younger than I am. 23 female. Apparently she's been a couple of years ahead in school most of her life. And on the other hand, I took a bit off after going uh, to uni before I took a bit off after uni before getting back into academia. I just figured when I met her and on our first couple of dates that we were about the same age and I was maybe a few years older. She claims that she didn't think it would be a big deal and she uh, was just used to misleading people about her age since people wouldn't take her seriously in academia because of it. I have no idea what to do here. I feel guilty about the whole thing, but everything else about our relationship has been great. Honestly, we were even starting to plan for a long-term future before this happened. I feel like I have to break up with her for her appearances, if nothing else. We probably look awful to her friends who know how old she actually is. Further information, I'm done with my degree and I'm lucky enough to be doing well with writing and podcasting, and she's in her last semester and doing editing work on the side. She pays half rent on our place. So what's his question? Should he break up with her? He feels like he should break up with her, but he feels very guilty about it. I mean, that she's been lying about, you know, she's been lying about her age for the two years of their marriage and they've been talking about, or uh, uh, I'm sorry, of their relationship. relationship talking about getting married and, you know, they've moved in together and she's just lied about this thing, their entire relationship. I think the lie at the beginning of the relationship makes some, some sense in this scenario. If she's like a head or something in, but all that being said within, as soon as you start the relationship and it starts becoming a real thing, I think you have to, Tell the truth. The fact that this lasted two years before it came out is not a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you got yourself a little, uh, a little liar over there, bud. Well, I picked this one in particular because of my opinion about Kit and, uh, mm. and Matt. You think I Kit's thought it was 19. funny. Well played. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, 13. Oh gosh. <laughs> I just like the notion of a big age difference coming was, up in this. I was kind of hoping sure. that this was going to go the way of Ross Geller 
where uh, it was not only did his girlfriend lie about her age being high, but he lied about his age being low. And so he's like, also, I lied about my age and I'm 51. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 36. <laughs> I was actually her professor and she didn't even know it. <laughs> I thought that was weird. She was in grad school. Uh, I don't know. Jeremy, what do you think about this whole situation? Uh, I would say, oh gosh, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Like you're both grown ups. Like I know she's recently a grown up, but she's still a grown up. Um, so yeah, decide for yourselves. Um, I would, you know, reference previously in the podcast, we gave you a very helpful formula to determine <laughs> what to do here. Divide by two plus seven. So, uh, what is it? He said he was 36. Yeah. He said, so divide by two. What is that? 18. 18 plus seven. So his threshold is like 25, 25 or older. So I, I don't know. She missed it by two years. How much one. do you trust Barney Stinson? That's the real question. <laughs> uh, those are words I live by. So I'm biased, but um, yeah, I don't know. Listen, if, if you uh, wait four years, you could ask her out though. <laughs> were you doing the math the whole time it's like just when however many years times two so there you go <laughs> yeah i think if they decide to make it work that's fine um everything's case by case i think this stuff uh you know we talked about earlier like there are certain uh years in your life that are going to be bigger than others and so for her she's 23 there's still like a lot of life change that's going to happen yeah. Um, over the next few years. So I guess you just weigh the cost of that. Uh, you know, if you really care about each other, be patient and see where it goes. I just don't think that age should be the reason why something ends. Like, I think it really all comes down to compatibility. And if the age is affecting your compatibility in a meaningful way, then yeah, maybe it's most healthy to move on. Yeah. If not, Go for it. I think in this scenario, though, it's not the age that's making it end. It's the fact that she's been lying to him for two years. Yeah. Well, I think it's both because he mentions, you know, for her uh, for her appearance sake. Like, I, I do think that, like, for a 23 year old to be dating and in a serious relationship with a 36 year old often raises eyebrows. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that there is an age component there. Like, I feel like if my. Uh, I don't have a, in this scenario at all, I don't have a 23 year old sister, but if my 23 year old sister were dating someone who was 36, I, I would feel very uncomfortable about that. Um, you know, like there would, there would have to be some strong, like overcoming connection to <laughs> warrant that for me to be okay with. Um, and even if, you know, uh, even if my 23 year old friend were dating someone who's 36, like that would be, that would be like a, Hey, like this is, uh, that's a, that's a big, that's a big difference at, at those ages. You know what I mean? You guys, I just realized, I don't know why it took me this long to realize that my younger sister is about to turn 23. Yeah. In, in a month. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess when you put it in that kind of context, if, if my sister came home and said, Hey, I'm dating a 36 year old, uh, you know, she's my sister and I would trust her, but it would still feel a little weird. Um, so yeah, that's a thing. I think to Scott's point though, it's probably a both. And like, I think it's compatibility, but the fact that she lied about it, 
is a factor. And that probably makes him feel a very real way. Like, uh, what do you say? It took like two years for her to come clean. Um, so yeah, you can easily feel blindsided by that. And, uh, you know, but I think, I think that part is easier to get over than if there's like real compatibility things, but I don't want to diminish it completely. Cause it's like, I don't know, you're betraying their trust a little bit. You're not being honest. Like, why does it take you two years and you're already living together before you actually tell someone, uh, that you're three years younger than you are. That's weird. And that can be a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I would understand it if like for that reason alone, he's like, ah, I just don't know if I can trust you. Like if you can't even be honest about your age, like what else might there be that you're withholding? Totally. I, yeah, I, I'm sure he has lots of things he's, he's thinking through and processing with it. Cause he has spent two years with her. It's, I think he's also 36. He probably has ideas of, you know, well, like I'm getting older too. Like, do I want to start this process over with someone else? Right. Like, yeah. Um, as we get older, this age gap won't be as big a deal. Can I look past this lie? Is this the only lie? Um, do I trust this person? There's so many different things that I think run through his mind too in, in his or, processing. Or will she in a couple of years, you know, change mm-hmm. and either be someone that I don't want to be with or uh, realize that I'm not someone that she wants to be with with a few more years of, of critical life experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Four more years from now, he'll be 40. So she'll be what she said originally. (laughs) (laughs) And she'll finally be 27 for real this time for realsies. Yeah. I, I, I would say, uh, this isn't a relationship that, that, uh, on the surface could probably work well. Um, because of the lie, because of how long it took for the lie to come out. Like uh, to your point, Scott, like in a first date lying about your age, not a big deal in your first month lying about your age. Weird, but not a big deal. Uh, in your first year being in a relationship, very big red flag. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I, as soon as it was a, uh, will you be my boyfriend or girlfriend type of a conversation is when that I think had to happen. Yeah. If not sooner, but let's yeah. like the last, like as soon as you're into the official relationship, right. You're now holding a lie against your partner. Right. <laughs> yeah. A, 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 a fairly big lie. Yeah. Like it's not like a, Oh, I know I told you, you know, on our second date that my, uh, you know, my dress size was X, but it's really Y, you know, like that's not that kind of a lie. And it's not the kind of lie that it's like, I told you I liked your mustache, but I really don't. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, this is in the vein of, I have three felonies. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I will never get a loan. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely I have $5 billion <laughs> worth of debt. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely more in that vein for sure. Uh, and so I would say that you do need to, to break this off and it's not, it's not an indictment against her. It's not an indictment against you. It's just, this isn't going to work for, uh, it's just, there's a generation between yours and hers, (laughs) (laughs) not between, but it's a, there's a, yeah. (laughs) Moral of the story, ladies and gentlemen is to show photo ID on the first date. 
That Always. We'll solve all your problems. Scott, the real question is the next time you see your girlfriend, are you going to demand to see photo identification? I'm not. Really? No, I'm not. After this revelation, it's a high level of trust. I trust her. That she wow. that she could be four years younger than what she says. I just trust her. Mm. <laughs> now that, ladies and gentlemen, is a relationship that will work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a relationship you can build a house on. Mm. It's like concrete. No, uh, I was just <laughs> quoting Kit tonight. That was oh. something she said. Oh man. Well, uh, yeah, that's relationship advice. Yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week to another episode of Batchpad Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, go ahead and send us an email at hello at batchpadpodcast.com or hit us up on Twitter at Batchpad Podcast. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for hanging out with us again tonight. Yeah, totally. Go easy on me, Francis. Francis, fact check him. We, we need to know. Fact check him hard. Okay. <laughs> but never, never fact check me or Tyler. Please. <laughs> Just when we have guests on, just when we have guests on fact check those guests. (laughs) So uh, have a great week geckos and we will see you back here next one.